so we are recording right now. Well, welcome to episode zero, I guess, of whatever this is going to be called. Yeah, I mean, I like calling it episode zero. Episode zero. <laughs> and my name is Taylor Trask, and you are? I'm Todd A. Todd A. Mr. Anderson. You don't go by Anderson, though. You just It's just Todd A. It's just A. It can stand for whatever you want. Excellent. A-hole. Anonymous. <laughs> uh, apocalypse. Awesome. Agitator. Yeah, awesome. I have kind of abandoned that. So, uh, gotcha. gotcha. But, you know, I'm, I still try to be awesome. Excellent. Well, we're here to talk about all things... Well, let, let's just let's backtrack. This, this whole show came about because last weekend you posted your brilliant review of <laughs> Avengers Age of Ultron, and we had been going well, back and... before that, you had commented about it on Facebook. Correct. Correct. Right. And, and I had responded with a link to my rant about Winter Soldier and said, I'm going to see Avengers this weekend. And, uh, and, then, and then, yeah, I wrote up my thoughts on my blog and we discussed from there. Exactly. And your thoughts were very apropos. I guess let's just start with that because, because I, you know, and it's a little old at this point and we could lump this under old business, if you will, or old stuff or whatever we're in, you know, however, whatever we're going to call that stuff. But, but Avengers Age of Ultron came out two weeks ago now, right? Or was it three? No, it was two. Two, I believe it was just two. Two yeah. weeks ago, okay. And and obviously much anticipated, very well hyped, and I think everybody who's anybody's has seen it or will see it at some point, especially if you like those kinds of things. And I I saw Avengers one, you know, what uh, three years ago now, and absolutely adored it. I saw it two additional times. I thought it was, you know, it had its flaws, sure, but it was so damn fun, and it was so it just it encapsulated what it was supposed to be. So I kind of went into it. Avengers 2 or Age of Ultron thinking, okay, it's going to be a lot like that. You know, we're used to everybody. We're used to the team. We sort of know, you know, how phase two of Marvel has, has gone on. So I had all this, I kind of had a crazy high expectation going in and I saw it opening day. So the audience is all, you know, the energy is in the theater. And I, I walked out feeling not as, I guess, happy or amped. I mean, I liked it. I, I dug it. I mean, it was fine. I was glad I went, but something was just nagging at me. <laughs> and and I and I started to like kind of reflect on what that was and and it, it just and there was a lot of things but the two big things for me were really just you know Tony Stark as a character we've seen him now this will be like the fourth or fifth movie and we we've seen him um, you know evolve and 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 you know sort of you know as fun as he is and as fun as Iron Man is I I, I love it you know, I loved Iron Man one I love all that but he as a character hasn't really sort of evolved to that place where he is responsible for his actions. It seems like every movie Tony Stark is in, Tony Stark creates the problem and then he has to solve it. You know? Yes. Like, you know, in the first one it was the arc reactor, it was just his suit being compromised and stolen. And the second one it was other other people stealing his technology or trying to, you know, try, trying to rise to meet him, you know, whether it be, you know, Justin Hammer or um the whiplash character, you know, and it's in the third one, you know, in the third one, he was mean to somebody in an elevator and that came back to haunt him later on. So it's just like, in this one, in age of Ultron, it was especially vexing because I'm like here, every single thing that happened in this movie was the result of he and, and Bruce Banner's basically creating this AI or, you know, harnessing this AI. Um, and then, and then you know, by result, you know, then you have you know, Bruce Banner also you know, terrorizing a city and all this other stuff. It's the Hulk. But, but all of this goes back to he and Tony Stark playing mad scientists. They even, t- they even in the movie say, you know, we're mad scientists. We should embrace it. 
and that's all well and good. And at the end, you have Bruce Banner going, "Okay, I've I have messed up severely. I'm gonna I'm gonna take myself out. I I need to go and basically go to you know self-imposed exile." Tony Stark, you know, shakes hands with Captain America and he drives off in a fancy sports car like nothing. Like, oh well, you know, all in a day's work. And I just like that didn't sit well with me. It's like here after four or five movies, I would expect at least the character, you know, that character to sort of understand the messes he makes. And, and if not that, then I'd like to see other characters, namely Captain America, you know, be the sort of moral compass and go, you know what, dude, you fucked up. Like you messed, you, you messed up this entire world and you, something needs to happen, you know? Well, and, uh, and, uh, and strange because one of the things leading into the movie, you know, like last summer, and maybe this was a clip they showed at comic con or something that, you know, got leaked onto the internet. I remember it was a shaky video, you know, mm-hmm. um, like a cell phone video of a, the scene of Tony and Steve mm-hmm. outside Hawkeye's cabin mm-hmm. where they're, they're, you know, they're basically discussing the politics of all of it and, and why Tony, you know, Steve is kind of upbraiding him for, you know, <laughs> making Ultron and <laughs> ruining the world again. And, you know, when I saw that leaked scene, I thought, oh, you know, this is the real conflict that's mm-hmm. going to come mm-hmm. in this Avengers movie in Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. So I, like you, was kind of, you know, I was sort of having that in the back of my head. I was even more surprised that it didn't actually happen, you know, because I, I kind of had that expectation of like, this is where we're going to see the seeds of civil war, mm-hmm. which they are, they are sown definitely in Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. But I was sure that like, there's going to be a real conflict. These yeah. two are going to split, you yeah. know, and and we're going to see that message delivered to Tony like unambiguously, yes. and it just wasn't. Yeah. However, that said, and it's really interesting to hear your, your your thoughts on the entire thing and going in with high expectations and all that because um, I don't know that my expectations were really high. I saw it opening weekend, um, and and I loved it more so than the original Avengers. Really. Movie. Which I have seen, you know, a half a dozen times or more at sure. this point. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, but for me, it's that uh, it's that Marvel problem that I talked about on my blog, which is I just the the superhero, like the myth of the superhero, is so interesting to me, and Marvel constantly undermines that, especially in their movies, by just having them like work with the government yeah, on stuff. Yeah. And to me, it's like once you're imagining the, you know. For me as a kid, when I imagined having superpowers, the reason I identified with the X-Men or something was, you know, I wanted something to kind of get me out of the <laughs> humdrum existence, yeah, you know, that yeah, I was in. Yeah. And and it's just so depressing to me that, that Marvel gives these people these great powers and then they go, yeah, let's all co- cooperate with the government. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. the government already can't fix the problems. <laughs> well, and how interesting, exist, how interesting you know? that in, in a movie that's going to, as far as I can tell, literally be that, you know, you know, people siding with the government and everybody else kind of siding against that group in, in what's going to be civil war. The two characters that would be most interesting in that discussion are not involved. And that's Thor and the Hulk. You've got, and Thor is probably the most, you know, the most 
of that of that sort of dynamic, he's the one I'd be most interested to see because he's he's not from here. He can leave and come and go as he pleases. Nobody yeah. really controls him. Much like Superman, it's very you know it's a very kind of similar kind of character. And he would be the most I think to to have. It would be interesting to see his commentary on the situation. But he's not, as far as we know, is not going to be involved. Is not on Earth. But, you know, Hemsworth isn't appearing in it, um, even though everybody else in the known Marvel universe is. So I don't. You know, it's it's. And here's the thing. Oh, in the uh, oh, in uh, Captain America. Civil in Civil War, War. yeah, yeah, yeah. Already, okay. Like, I didn't know that Hemsworth was definitely like ruled out. Well, of that. I mean, it could he could always pop up and it's a surprise. Sure, yeah. But you know, they've released the cast, and it's like it's literally everybody. It's everybody. Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw a ton of stuff. Except yeah. for Ruffalo and Hemsworth. So I, I'm just like, well, okay. Interesting. And, you know, and the movie's gonna be, you know, it, it's gonna be basically an exaggeration of that, which is probably gonna either piss you off or you being you know, you because um, I'm just like it seems like everything in your blog which is excellent by the way if you're listening to this and you want to read it go to what's your what's your URL is it Todd A? Uh, it's heytodday.com heytodday.com and you'll find it there it's it's worth a read it's really you get really in depth and I love that um, but it seems like everything you said it's kind of like it, it's going to be it, we're going to see a movie that literally explores that dynamic, and it might end up being, it, it, and maybe it will be good. Maybe it will delve into things that you you have complaints about and flesh all those out and say, yeah, that's a problem, and and here's our universe, our MCU solution to that. Or maybe it's just well, going to celebrate it. I don't know. You know. I mean, I just uh, the, you know, I don't I don't really have a lot of faith in in, um, I, you know, it's like the uh, it's. It's the binary that exists in all geek universes. Mm-hmm. Are, are you a Star Wars or a Star Trek fan? <laughs> are you a you know Beatles or a Rolling Stone guy? And I'm a DC person ah, as opposed to a Marvel okay, person. Okay. And so there's I always look at Marvel with a little bit of disdain because for me, I like the anarchy of the DC universe a lot more than I like the neat and tidy... Um, we all work for the government uh, Marvel Universe. Yeah, yeah. Did you, <laughs> They're all cops, you know, in yeah. my mind. They're did you, all like the nice cops. Did you like Watchmen at all, either the movie or the graphic novel? I loved both. And uh, I didn't really have the the like qualms with the movie that a lot of big fans did. But I read the graphic novel, you know, really soon before the movie came out. Like, it wasn't something that I read as a kid sure, because sure. I was I was too young when it came out. And... Um, Knowing that they were making a movie, I read it and uh, really enjoyed it. And then I didn't, I didn't have the problems with. I mean, I, this and this is another like huge division between me and all of geekdom is that I, it seems like maybe this is not a division, but I love Zack Snyder. So gotcha. Um, well, the reason I ask, the reason I ask is, and, I, and for the record, I absolutely adored the movie and will fight to the death anybody. And 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 I love the graphic novel too, and I respect them both separately and equally. Um, and it's the movie, in fact, that got me into comics to begin with in, in my current in my current form but that's a whole other story the reason i bring that up is because watchmen as a, as a piece as a story piece explores that whole complaint really well i think you know it's got yeah. these guys who you know you've got the comedian who was in league with the government at some point you know and was kind of that it, and really tried to push that angle you've got Dr. Manhattan, who is co-opted by the government and, you know, even has the commentary, they're trying to turn me into something gaudy, something, you know, I'm being, yeah. I'm being used, you know, and it's like, and it's, there's that. And, so and then Rorschach, which is like the, uh, you know, the Ayn Randian, like John Galt <laughs> of the piece, like, wow, I've never heard uh, somebody yeah, use I mean, Ayn Rand and Rorschach in the same statement. That's awesome. I love yeah, that. he is such the, um, 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's such the Randian like superhero. In yeah, that. yeah. But he's like he's and, no compromise, and he's no nonsense. And it's 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 that sort of commitment to his ideals because he died. You know, spoilers. He dies for his ideals in the end. Yeah. And it's like I kind of want that from Captain America. Like that's kind of what I was looking for. Not that he's gonna well, die. Spoiler alert, you know. spoiler alert! He dies at the end of Civil well, War. Well, yeah, that's and maybe that'll happen in the movie too. And maybe that will be the <laughs> thing that maybe that's the thing that shocks Tony Stark into being a you know being responsible once and for all. And if that happens, then I'm gonna look back on Ultron with like a whole new lens. But I, you shouldn't make a movie. In this, and as much as I love the connectivity and everything, I'm like the, I'm the first person to say connect it all together, make it a big story. I, I I love it, but you can't make a movie at that level and say, oh, but just wait in three years, this will make way more sense, or you know, in two, you know, like it has to make sense in its own sort of, you know, self-contained package while still connecting out, and you can't. You can't give me a promise of a story to happen next year to validate what you aren't you aren't doing as a story now. So it's just I don't know. That was that was a big a big problem for me. And then the other big problem for me was just you have Ultron as a character who Ed, the trailers made seem like was going to be this big slow build, you know, like he's going to start off as a consciousness oh, yeah. and and then be like a broken robot and and eventually you know towards the end you'll see him in his final realized form. And it's like we see him kind of in the beginning, you know, he comes to he comes to be after like a, you know, after a montage scene 20 minutes in. It's like you're the guy, you know, they're building up building on I was almost expecting like 80s music to start playing when Oh yeah, know. it was just this like C, totally CG scene of two AI, you know, personalities talking to each other between Jarvis and Ultron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was the whole build. And then <laughs> Well, then he comes then out, he, but then he's sitting in that church like Five minutes later, he's sitting in the church in his like new robot body. That's never—it's never explained like why he chose that form, where he got the body. Like, was he in like some lab somewhere and you're know, building it? Like, I, and and we don't necessarily have to see like you know 30 minutes of that, but at least give me something else. And on the on the evolutionary scale between I'm on a, I'm in a broken you know one of the, Tony's broken drones to now I'm in this hulking beautiful body that happens to move like James Spader moves when he talks which is also strange it's like if you've ever seen James Spader on The Office um, <laughs> he's totally what I thought of as I watched the movie or Boston Legal he James Spader now has this weight when he talks he kind of bobbles his head and he kind of and he's got that his sort of body posture that's very much him. And they gave that to Ultron. Oh, yeah. And so I'm like, okay, that's fine too. But there's got to be more, like, why do you talk like this? Why, where did this all come from? And it's just like he just kind of exists and we just sort of have to go along with it. I'm like, all right, but just seems a little cheap compared to all the, like, we started Avengers 1 with Loki. Like, we knew him. It's like we saw him in a previous movie and we know, like, where he came from and, like, what the, what the deal is. And so it's like that makes sense. I kind of wanted a little bit more. You know, with your villain, I, and I'm I'm a huge fan of of villains and antagonists anyway, just being really fleshed out. So it bugged me probably a little bit more than it would normal people. But it's well, just like, I, that's honestly you're pinpointing another problem with the Marvel Universe movies is that they um they some they don't get. I mean, look at the Iron Man movies. None of those villains to me have that third dimension to them. Aldrich Killian kind of did. I mean, it was a little bit. It was a little bit sort of, you know. Uh, I don't know if ham fist is the right word. It was a little bit sort of forced. They're like, he was this nerd who looked up to Tony Stark, and Tony Stark was mean to him, and now he's this guy. But at least there was some other dimension <laughs> there of like how this – like if they just – if if what's his face? What's the actor's face? Um, uh, oh, God. Top of – top of I can see his head. Anyway, the dude uh, – I mean – That guy. Talk, 
Are we talking about Sam Rockwell? No, or? no, no. The other guy, the, the guy who played uh, uh, Killian in the third one. Um, oh, 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 oh. Sorry, um, <laughs> Guy Pierce. If Guy Pierce had just strolled in, imagine. <laughs> we have to edit that whole thing out now. <laughs> imagine, imagine Guy Pierce just wa- just rolls into Pepper's office as he is. I'd be just as perturbed. I'm like, well, who's this guy? Like, why? But at least we got a little bit more. Like, we got a little bit more of like why he is the way he is, or why you know. Whereas Sam Rockwell, like all those guys, they just kind of, you know, you're right. They sort of stroll in and, and you know, you got um, Jeff Bridges in the first one. He just kind of. I, yeah, I realized as soon as I said that, that like Bridges, you know, kills it. Oh, like, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. loved, I loved the first one and the third one. And I didn't really like the second one. And that's why, because it just felt like a rehash of, you know, this sort of, I, I didn't care about a uh, whiplash either. Yeah. Or whatever Although Mickey is, Rourke, just, I, Mickey Rourke was kind of terrifying in that role. He I, was terrifying. Yeah. But it, but again, like I, I don't care about his character. You know what I mean? He, I didn't, I didn't get that. That, that's what you want in a villain, right? Is you want to kind of care about him yeah. and be like, oh, I don't. And you know, the Captain America movies. Um, I loved the first one. I loved both of them actually. Um, but they they felt so one sided to me. They felt yeah. like you know they're about the heroes. They're not telling like a story about the villains and. Um, uh, DC you know, does that's, a- that's the, I, I don't know. You know, Thor Thor was great because we all liked Loki. Yeah. Um, and, you know. <laughs> well, DC DC. I mean, you mentioned this is a nice segue too. You mentioned your DC fandom. DC yeah. seems to do that better. It seems like DC, as far as my knowledge extends, and that's you know it's some of the and I, I a lot of my DC knowledge comes from the animated universe because I used to watch all those Justice League movies and or Justice League Justice League shows, the Batman cartoons, all of all of that stuff is. I'm, huge fan of and then i've read some of the you know, i've read a lot of the green lantern stuff that i find intriguing and i've seen you know obviously the movies and everything but it seems like dc is a lot more interested in telling the story of the bad guy like even sinestro you know from the green lantern side of things like sinestro yeah. started off as one of the good guys one of the best good guys and became this this antagonist and you, he's still you're still shown like you know there's a reason why he does stuff he's not just inherently a bad guy like he has a set of sort of morals and a set of of operating procedure that guides his you know guides what he you know his actions and i feel like with this batman superman or batman v superman movie coming out you've got not only you know you got batman and or superman you know, change you know kind of swapping themselves out as antagonists you've got lex Luthor, who's i'm going to be really interested to see what they do with him um yeah, but Luther in a in a Superman movie. I mean, it's isn't that is that always a mistake? <laughs> I think we've never. I, I think the only time we've ever seen a good Lex Luthor was when uh, Clancy Brown voiced him in the animated universe because that was not only the best voice, but just like that character. I felt like I kind of I figured I, you get a sense of what that is. Like, why does this character exist? Why does he hate Superman? And I I was one of the only people it seems like. Who when they're like, and our Lex Luthor is gonna be Jesse Eisenberg, and everybody was like, what the, f-? you know, and they everybody lost their shit, and it was, just, and then they, and then they started taking like you know, him from the social network and just making him bald, and I'm like, right, <laughs> I'm like, here's the thing about Lex Luthor, as far as I understand, he's a character who, who's constantly feeling like. I, like the like the like the smart kid in school, right? Like the in fact, you remember? Um, did you ever watch that movie Election with Reese Witherspoon? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So re- I just watched it the other day. That's why it's fresh in mind. 
Reese Witherspoon in that movie is this like, she's like, she prides herself on being the smartest kid, like the most ambitious kid. And she's constantly like, I'm, you know, I'm the best, me, me. And Matthew Broderick's just trying to take her down a few notches because he's just so pissed. <laughs> and I'm kind of thinking that's what Lex Luthor is. He's like this guy who's like, I, you know, or like even like, um, like in the Big Lebowski where he's like, he's like, even without my legs, I went out and achieved anyway. You know, it's that kind of that pompous sort of self-righteous, like I brought myself up by my bootstraps and God damn it, I'm the, I'm going to be recognized for it. And here comes this dude from another planet with, you know, who's, who can save all these people or in the case of, you know, Man of Steel destroy, you know, half the, half the city. Like, here's this dude who's all of a sudden now, like, taking that spotlight away from Lex Luthor. So you got this guy who's like, but, uh, which, uh. so I can see this, ne- I can see Batman v Superman being this kind of, like, interesting, via- interesting character study on, on Lex Luthor. Hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll delve into that and really make us, and I think, like, Jesse Eisenberg, when you look at him and you look at like what his roles typically are, he plays that really well. He plays that like sort of petulant child, you know, really, really incredibly well. So I'm, I, I was like, hey, let's see, let's see what he does with it, you know? Yeah, I, I like him for it. Um, I think, I think what's interesting about the, you know, I hadn't really pondered um, Lex Luthor being in Batman v Superman, and um, what I think is interesting and I'm wondering how they're going to handle it in this movie is at least from that trailer that we've seen, uh, you know, there, there's a voiceover of, uh, you know, people talking about like, um, the godliness of Superman and, and how he's not really a, you know, a, a God, he's a, a false God or something like that. And then, you know, um, uh, when they show Batman, you know, in the, the, <laughs> The, the Superman buster suit or whatever we want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Iron, Bat- Iron Batman. Or whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that That is so straight out of um, Frank Miller's Dark Knight. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but in Dark Knight, one of the funniest parts to me, you know, what I enjoy so much about Frank Miller's like interpretation of Batman is that Batman is that like anarchistic superhero that, that I want to see in a superhero like he is the perfect superhero to me and apparently to frank miller and superman is like a joke you know in in (laughs) dark knight he's like a um he's the the patriotic symbol that just kind of flies around doing pr and well let's let's uh, clarify for those who are not in the know when you say dark knight you're referring to the dark knight return wait dark knight returns yes yeah, from 19 like 88 87 88 it was a, one of the biggest graphic novels of all time like when you hear like you know the the top five it's like you know watchmen's on there and then you know v for vendetta sometimes is on there and then frank you know dark knight returns is on there too not to be confused with the dark knight or dark knight rises movies from the nolan verse which yes borrowed strange enough borrowed some elements from that but it looks like this batman v superman is going to wholesale just take whatever it wants and you know I'm all for it. I actually, a lot of people don't like Frank Miller. I don't know if you, if you troll the comments on io9, there is a lot of people who are just like, they think Frank Miller's a misogynist. They think he, you know, they completely misrepresent Superman. And I, I find that interesting because I agree with you where it's like, let's see a, let's see a world where Superman is like, you know, the Boy Scout taken too far. Where, you know, going back to your comment about your argument about the, you know, about heroes, you know, siding with the government or being controlled by the government. Frank Miller, he's like, here you go. Here's what that is, right here. Well, and you know, the um, I'm I'm not necessarily a, a Frank Miller fan. Um, he, I, 
there there are a few books of his that I really like. Uh, Holy Terror is one of mm. the most xenophobic, awful things I've ever read. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and, and I basically, you know, gave my copy away after waiting <laughs> in anticipation to get it. You know, I went and sold it at one of those bookstores where they just give you like, you know, 50 cents for it it's or something. Like, I didn't uh, even it's, try to eBay it to get it to another comic book lover. I was like, just get this out like of my house. It's like the VHS of The Ring and the movie The Ring, you know, where they're like, get off. Oh, God. And yeah, just, yeah. I can't have this in my house. <laughs> Take it away. I don't want it. <laughs> don't let anyone else read this. Frank Miller so shows up at your house one week later. He's like, what have you done? Where's my book? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it, um, but, uh, but you know, when, when I, you know, I went to Dark Knight Returns just like I went to Watchmen, which mm. was as an adult, mm. uh, looking back on it, because it, it came out in 86, you know, I was a young kid. Yeah. I, it, it didn't fit with my uh, power pack, new teen Titans, you know, comic book schedule. Mm. So um, I didn't read it then. So when I read it, it was like, oh, you know, <laughs> This is what a, a gritty comic books writer wrote like in the '80s, yeah. and he and um, you know he he definitely fits into that era of you know it, it was the you know it was the Reagan years, and so if Frank Miller does this. There's an interesting dichotomy of you know Batman coming out of retirement and Dark Knight Returns, um, and there's a kind of a showdown scene between him and, and Superman, who's become this you know Cold War era. Uh, super weapon, mm -hmm. you know. That's basically what he is. The, the, you know, Soviet Union can't build up their nuclear arsenal because we have Superman. Well, almost literally too. There's a scene where he goes head to head against a warhead for God's sake, like a nuclear yeah. warhead. It's like him against that, and you know, he he ends up winning, but just barely. So it was kind of like, and that's you know, not to so, oh, go ahead. so oh so I to, to connect my point there. I think it's interesting in the in the Snyder movie, at least in that trailer that we've seen. Where they're pitting these two people against each other, but they've they've the narration that goes over the trailer is about people losing their faith in Superman, mm -hmm. which you know we haven't really they haven't really built it up enough. So I'm kind yeah. of you know we we've only seen him a Man of Steel and he almost destroyed Metropolis entirely, yeah. <laughs> you know. So um, I don't know that there's all that good that much goodwill towards him at yeah. all. Yeah. So I don't really know. You know, I'm kind of interested in that how that. Um, that fight's gonna wouldn't go, it be you know? wouldn't it be amazing if if the real story of the movie was was in Man of Steel Superman almost basically destroyed his hometown <laughs> he has nowhere to go so he chooses Gotham and Batman's like oh no 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 <laughs> yeah. you you're not gonna wreck my town. you stay out of Gotham and then that's basically their showdown he's like but I want to help he's like nope nope. I, I would love that. That would be so great. And then if, if, it, if it were like just territorial pissings, you know, between the two of them. It's like, stay out. I, I just, and Batman's like, you know, and this is, we're supposedly showing a Batman that's been at it for, you know, several years now. So it'd be, it'd be right. hilarious. He's like, I just, I just put away the final criminal. Like the, the Riddler has been put away. It's finally a clean city. Stay the hell away. Don't, I don't want you here. We don't need you here. Just go back. Go, go explore your, your life somewhere else. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, I, you know, either way, I'm I'm excited. It's Zack Snyder. I'm happy about Ben Affleck. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm I'm an, I'm one of those wait and see guys. Like I, I like think I, I go back to, and I don't. I've never had a dog in these hunts. I'm always, I've never been so. I, I'm not as passionate exactly. about these things as in like Doctor Who. Like you know, as soon as they, as soon as Peter Capaldi's like, I'm I'm retiring. Like I'm gonna be one of the first people. Like I know who the next person should be. I'm gonna be speculating with everybody. You know, and like, right. and, and basing my day on, you know, any any inkling of news. But with this kind of stuff, I'm like, oh, let's just wait and see. And Zack Snyder did so well. Cat 
casting Watchmen that I'm kind of like, man, if he if he has a vision, go. I'll let him. You know, I'll I'll decide when the thing comes out. Um, and I don't. You know, ben, ben Affleck talked such trash about <laughs> putting tights on to be in Daredevil after Daredevil came yeah. out that you know to get him back in a superhero outfit. Yeah. It, it's you know it's kind of like well. It's probably a pretty good script. Yeah, <laughs> he's got some yeah. faith in Snyder or something. So, um, and I, I mean, I already, I already like Snyder. So, um, I don't, I don't understand. And I like the Ben Affleck. Yeah. I liked Daredevil. Uh, see, now I only <laughs> saw Daredevil once on a plane trip, so I can't. And that was such a <laughs> my my. And I, I really don't have the ambition to. After the TV series, especially, I don't have the ambition to go back and just and, and revisit that anytime soon. Yeah, you know, it might maybe it just comes on Netflix one day, and I'm like. You know, well, let's just see what this is. I don't, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know that you need to go back and revisit it. It's, I liked it though for, you know, Marvel hadn't connected this, the, the universe at that point. Correct. And I don't even know if it was a, a Marvel Studios movie or, um, you know, who put it out. Um, that was back when every studio kind of had like every, the, you know, the, I, yeah, the IP was licensed to a bunch of different st- studios and, you know, Fox still had the X-Men yeah. and Sony and Spider-Man. So it was kind of like, there was, I think the only connective tissue in all those movies was Stan Lee's cameo. That seemed to uh, be. Honestly, the connective tissue was Favreau. Oh. He is Daredevil's partner in that movie. <laughs> is he really? Oh yeah. John Favreau is, uh, oh, now, now I'm really losing a uh, geek cred for not remembering a uh, Daredevil's partner's name, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's, you know, oh, that's as, the as kid. far as I understood, that the John dude? Favreau was a, you know, he was a Marvel fan, and and so wait, so so Favreau played like his partner lawyer at the law firm. Is that what you're yeah. talking about? Yeah, Nelson, Foggy, Foggy Nelson, or something because like you know that. who plays him now in the TV series. Uh, I I mean, dream casting to me is like Seth Rogen. No man, but it's, <laughs> it, it's it's Fulton from the Mighty Ducks. That that actor, who was also strangely enough in Butterfly Effect, which nobody seems to, I'm the only one who likes that movie. But that the kid who played Fulton in the Mighty Ducks, you know, the kid like they bring in like the the sort of the ringer that they bring in, like these are he's never seen the Mighty Ducks. (laughs) We're gonna have to fix that some other day. You've never seen the Mighty Ducks, really? No. Well, I mean, it's uh, yeah. Oh my god. What? (laughs) What? I'm sorry, what? I missed that reference. I, I also haven't seen uh, Butterfly Effect. Well, that's that's probably okay. So that's that's probably you've heard that one. Before. Yeah, yeah, the Butterfly. I'm not, but the Mighty Ducks, man, that's that's like that's like generation is is defined by that movie. I just uh, well, well I, that, that could be a whole rant right there. We'll get into that later. But um, huh. no, he played. So yeah, the TV series, and I and and truth be told, I have not watched the entire TV series, the Netflix series, start to finish, because it's. A lot. It's long. It's like 13 hours. However, I watched the first couple episodes and I watched the last couple episodes, and I will gladly go back when I have time and fill in the gaps in between. But from what I've seen, I was really, and I'm not even a huge Daredevil fan, but it's it was really solid. It was really, I mean, it was really well shot. Um, you know, for a TV series, they really make good use of their budget. You really get to, and and let's let's tie this back into the the idea of making a villain. It's they give you equal time on um, on the villain as they do the hero. Like you get to you get to meet Matt Murdock, you get to you know all of that is is very well solid. But you're just as interested and invested in Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin's character. Like and freaking okay. Vincent D'Onofrio, just you don't even see him until like the third episode. He's hinted at, and there's you know whispers, and you don't even see him appear. But as soon as he appears. 
they get they spend just as much time explaining and letting you know explaining why he is the way he is and where he comes from and like and then on top of that he gives the instead of the kingpin you know remember back in like you know when they did the spider-man cartoons on fox and like the kingpin was this big hulking guy who's like spider-man i'm coming for you know it's like it's like very cartoony they give him and and i was no one else has really picked up on this yet but Vincent D'Onofrio gives him the voice of Daniel Plainview from There Will Be Blood. Like, he turns around, and like, and I didn't notice it. I noticed it at first. I'm like, who does he sound like? This sounds very familiar to me. And then I was watching it. I kept watching. I'm like, oh, my God. Because he, he comes in. He's like, I would like to take you to dinner. And I'm really very serious about the state of the city. What do you think? And it's just like it's, and you just expect him to ask you, you know, ask a character for a milkshake or ask him to take. Oh man! It's I didn't even know, I didn't even know Vincent D'Onofrio was in it. Now now I'm excited about he's, it. He's man. He and, and a lot of people when he was cast too. And you know, talking about casting again, he when he was cast. And again, I have no dog in this hunt, but a lot of people were like Vincent D'Onofrio. What? He's not fat. He's not big. He's just a, what? He, the dude put on some weight for this, and and that doesn't even matter. He could be like as skinny as me, and if he acts this way, like I could see this dude becoming a drug, you know, a, a, a crime lord kingpin of this, you know, of this chunk of New York City. And that, they make yeah. it very much New York. It's it's in New York. It's part of the Marvel universe. They don't, as far as I can tell, they don't acknowledge in a deliberate way, you know the other movies or the other characters, they do refer to like the incident and you keep thinking like, what's the mm. incident? And then you realize as time goes on when they keep, and they don't talk about it a lot, but they're like, Hey, we have to, you know, as we've been rebuilding since the incident and it's not, you know, it's not like nine 11, which is you know too, too old at this point. What they're clearly referring to is the events of the Avengers, the first movie. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. Um, and I can see like if they, you know, it, it'll be interesting as this goes on if if they resist any direct references because as soon as like freaking Thor shows up, like the whole premise of the show kind of falls apart. You know, so it's well. <laughs> and again, do they? Um, does it at all mention like Agents of Shield or anything? Not and, and in the episodes I've seen, no. That would you think that would make more sense? Like I that that would be a cool crossover cameo. Like if Coulson shows up or you know or some you know and and. And it's, it'll be interesting to see. They will be referencing the other Netflix shows, the other Marvel Netflix shows, because they're building their own little connected universe amongst those shows that gotcha. at some point they're going to pull all that into, like, the final Avengers movie. I don't know how that's going to work, but they're going to, like, you know, those characters will pop up even for a short cameo in, you know, Avengers 3 or, you know, uh, Infinity War 2 or whatever, whichever one it is. Um so they're making like Jessica Jones next, and then they're making I think I forget the, like Iron Fist is one and Luke Cage, which I'm completely unfamiliar with. I don't know, I don't know the last thing the last thing about Luke Cage or Jessica Jones. I've had to sort of since David Tennant was cast, and and I will say this I'm a I am a strangely a big fan of the character known as the Purple Man. Um, when I he popped up in one of these like Avengers cartoons on Netflix at one point, and I'm just like that's. What an interesting concept. And a lot of people, you know, when I mention that, a lot of people are like, oh, God, he's like a rapist, and you, why are you a fan of that? But I'm like, I, I don't know. There's a lot that could be discovered there. And when you take a character who can, you know, who is purple and wears purple and you know, was involved in this accident that gives him the ability to influence people's minds, much like Charles Xavier, you know, but it, he puts this <laughs> he puts this kind of crazy twist on it that I'm like, that could be really interesting to see. You know, when a, when a character becomes so... And he operates behind the sh- you know, behind the scenes and the shadows. He's very much this character that just can manipulate your mind and, and, and get what he needs to very subtly. 
And so David Tennant is cast as that character. I'm like, I really want to see what that turns into. Hmm. Um, but they're going to start referencing. So like, apparently, much like Arrow and The Flash on CW, like they're going to start like you know, Daredevil yeah. will appear probably in a cameo or you know, pop up in one of these other mo- you know, these other shows or vice versa. And it feels like they're really trying to build their own sort of you know, connected universe within a connected universe, and then we'll see we'll see where it goes from there. But I would suggest it if you have some time. Again, I haven't. I've sh- regrettably have not watched all of them, but I'm like, I really want to see everybody's talking it up. So I watched the first few and then I was just so excited to see how it ends. I'm like, I'm going to jump to the, the last three and just see what happens. And like, he doesn't even show up in the suit until the final episode, which is crazy to think about, but it makes complete sense. Like it builds a logic around why his costume is the way it is. Like it, it really, you know, of all my complaints about age of Ultron, it was interesting that I saw this pretty much that same week because I'm like, Oh, well this, this does everything right. Like it builds everything out. Obviously it has more time to do that, but it was still, it was such a, it was such a a pleasant surprise. Let's just say. Well, I haven't paid much attention to the superhero series on TV. Um, The Marvel ones, you know, have so far and up until daredevil have just centered on their government agents Mm -hmm. who don't have any superpowers and I don't care about them. So <laughs> apparently, well, apparently Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like that's starting to change. They're starting to become more. I've not, I've not watched a single episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., regret, unfortunately. So I've just, from what I've seen, I, a, lot of what I, a lot of what I know about these shows I haven't seen, I gleam from the comment sections of io9. Because right. there'll be a story and everybody will be like debating and discussing and I'll like pop in and be like, hey, so what's, what does this mean? And, like, you just gotta, <laughs> you just gotta watch it. You just gotta watch it. I'm like, okay. Um, that's that's funny. The um, I've watched a good bit of Arrow, and it sounds like you're describing Daredevil. Like I thought it was a really cool setup to the character, and he's not jumping around calling himself the Green Arrow. Yeah. You know, even though he's um, using his skills. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I really enjoyed it, but it just uh, I, it it just couldn't keep my interest. Mm-hmm. Like I you know watched six or seven episodes in a row. And then I, tr- I gave Gotham a try. Oh, no. <laughs> in, in my opinion, backed up the Batman story way too far. Yeah, like, man. Gotham's... I don't want to see him as a tween. <laughs> you know, I don't <laughs> I don't care. It's the uh, it's the Star Wars prequels problem. Oh, my like, God. I don't care about Anakin it's an apt, as a, as a apt baby. Comparison. You know, like the Pat Oswalt had this huge riff on that. Like, no, that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's an apt comparison. The problem with Gotham, and I've, I'm not, I kind of gave up after like the, I don't know, episode whatever. Um, the problem I had with it was they were introducing way too much shit, way too fast, and it was to the point where I'm like, the, you know, and I understand the Penguin's older, you know, Oswald Cobblepot's older, so he can be introduced, you know, as a twenty-something now, and that makes sense. But to have yeah. like the Scarecrow and the Joker basically be like these, you know, nineteen, twenty-year-olds. You know, already kind of almost in continuity. I'm like, it's gonna get to the point where Bruce Wayne's gonna grow up and you know go off and train and come back, and they're gonna have captured all these guys already. Like he'll be, he'll show up and it's like, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the hero the city needs. And they're like, oh, well, we, we already well, took care of everything, so I don't know, we don't really need you now. I'm not. It doesn't like the Joker show up in like episode four. Isn't there a hint at him or something? There like is that? a, I mean, uh, there is a, so there's a character. That shows up as part of this episode. That's it's this kind of carnival. There's like this these carnies come into town. There's this weird death, and there's this the kid in the carnival. It's his mom dies, and at the end, and you know obviously big spoilers. At the end of the, at the end of this thing, they're, in, they're interrogating this kid, and they find out 
that he might have had something to do with the murder. And then he starts to, and then all of a sudden he very, very heavy-handedly is like, ah, ha, ha, ha. he starts laughing and he starts basically doing his best Jack Nicholson impression. And you're just like, oh, man. And they don't, they don't call him, like, he's nameless. Well, I think he actually, no, he has a name. But they don't, you know, short of being like, hey, kid, you're a real joker. Like, short of that, like, they're pretty much, like, they telegraph it in. But he's like, he's way, he's way older than Bruce Wayne. Like, he looks like about, like, he's a 17-year-old kid. I think the actor, in fact, is, like, 21. But he's, like, playing, like, a 17-year-old kid. So, like... Already he's the, you know and they've got the guy who's Edward Nigma already obviously they've got yeah Cobblepot. well let me let me back up for a second as as staunch an opponent as I am to government bureaucracy can Gotham get some carnival regulation <laughs> <laughs> Dick Grayson's parents are about to die in a carnival accident well there that's in a few years. that was the weird like, for Christ's sake we need some we need somebody to look this over that and make same, sure the ropes are that same you know. episode that was weird as hell because that same episode you're introduced to Dick Grayson's parents. The flying graces. Yeah, before they're married, even they're like, oh, we don't like one of like. So it, it's one of those like Romeo and Juliet things where they're like, it, they're like these two warring families within the carnival, and they, you know, they're each blaming each other for like the death of this of of you know future Joker's mom, and they're like, and then and in the end, like you know Jim Gordon like you know f- you know patches it up, and so like Dick Grayson's parents are standing in Gotham City, you know, Gotham PD, at the end of the episode, they're like, oh, Jim Gordon, you know, it's because of you. We're, uh, you know, we're gonna get to, we're actually gonna get married now, and we put aside our differences. And thank you so much. <laughs> and it's just like, I mean, I guess they're just sowing the seeds for the Joker to, you know, cut the ropes on the Graysons and kill them. Did they? And is that how they died in the comics? It was the Joker. I, it's one of those things where it's been retold differently every time, and so um, I'm pretty sure he eventually got the blame. I mean, gotcha. it makes sense. <laughs> I mean, they're. I don't. I don't remember which origin story uh, is which at this point. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I prefer the one where um, Tommy Lee Jones uh, wheels in a giant bomb. <laughs> That then uh, <laughs> the parents have to do some kind of weird acrobatics to get rid of, and uh, and I, I don't want to. You know, we, we this is a whole other thing. But you, when was the last time you watched um, Batman Forever? Uh, so a- after we spoke the last time about it. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Because but I never I never made it through the whole thing um, because I went to those Smodcast episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I so I. I I, I don't know. I watched a bit of it, but yeah, I, I have not watched the entire thing. They spoiled me. So those episodes spoiled me in that movie. And not that I was I was a huge fan of it anyway, but I can never again watch it logically because as soon as, what's his name, Christopher, uh, what's the dude who played um, Dick Grayson? Uh, uh, Chris O'Donnell. As soon as Chris O'Donnell yep. shows up, you're like, that dude's 35. Why does he need a, why does he need a, yeah, a why is he getting adopted? A he has like children of his own. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and you're like, at the time when I was, you know, that came out when I was like, you know, 13, 14 years old. So you don't really think much. And, and granted, we didn't have a lot to compare it with that was good. So it wasn't like, oh, you know, so you just kind of rolled with it. But I'm like, I'm watching it now. I'm like, why, why is this, why is he going to Bruce Wayne's house? Like, why is that required? Are we supposed to think he's 18? Even then it strains credibility because like an 18 year old would just, you know, go off on their own or do something it's like it was so strange it's yeah and i never saw it when it came out you know it just i don't know what it was but i i was i was over it at that point gotcha. <laughs> well let's we're we're really far into this already so let's um let's move on to a couple other things i was yeah, gonna absolutely. talk about like we can talk about the comics we're reading but i almost want to save that because i think that's going to be a whole episode onto itself um yeah i, I agree with that that'd be great um, especially uh, you know i mean 
um, it is Game of Thrones day. Exactly. And that's and, and when you added that in, I'm like, oh, we got to talk about Game of Thrones, especially because you have read the books, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. I have not read the books. I have only and I have only watched the show, and I have Wikipedia'd or you know or Westerospedia'd. Uh, the stuff that I wanted to know. Um, so I have, I have, Oof. yeah, I've caught up to, oh, and actually I take that back. I have also purchased and have read the sort of that world. Uh, the, oh my God. That thing is crazy. I only just saw, I only have just held that, it's you know, awesome. in the last month or so. so and good. it is ridiculous. And apparently George R. R. Martin wrote most of it. You know, he, they, yeah, yeah. The world of ice and fire is what yeah, we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. That huge, like coffee table book. Gorgeous illustrations. It's, it's yeah. pretty fantastic. And I got that. Cause I'm like, okay, I don't want to read the books if I've seen the show. I'm really I'm not one of those people who like, if I know the story, I, I, there's nothing for me to gain by reading it. <laughs> again myself like it, I, the story's in my head that's what it is but I wanted to know like well how did the Targaryens come to power like how did all this stuff happen and that book provides the history like the, the encyclopedia of the world so it's pretty it's pretty awesome you know and I never thought of it that way but that that it probably serves as such a great backdrop for both readers and viewers yeah 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 who have no intention of reading because it's going to fill in that history um, which you were frankly not going to get in the books yeah. or the show <laughs> because <you know. laughs> right and the song of ice and fire books are, are you know you get snippets of history mm-hmm. and then it sort of comes in from different points of view so it's even it's even foggier I mean I, I'm constantly checking my memory of what I think I read when I go back to the wiki of ice and fire or whatever and and I'm like oh they <laughs> They said that in book one or whatever. You know, I've completely missed all these references. Yeah. Like I was supposed to have picked up on that. So interesting. Um, See, I would think with the books being so so thick that a lot of it was devoted to history. So it's interesting that that's not necessarily the case. Right. <laughs> um, it, it, yeah, it's definitely not. I mean, there's a lot of history in it, but um, I think what the world of ice and fire is that it's uh, it's the long, you know, the long history. Yeah. And. Yeah. Um, you're not getting that in the, in the in the stories in the book. Yeah, well, it's cool too. And it, and and so if you haven't seen last week's episode, there's an there's a scene where Tyrion and Ser Jorah are they're they're on they're on boat and they're trying to to and I not it's not entirely clear why they're doing this. I something about pirates or not pirates, <laughs> but they're rowing their boat through old like old Valeria, which is now like a you know a yes. ruin. And it's it was cool to know. Oh, I know exactly. You know, having read the World of Ice and Fire, I'm like I know exactly. You know where they are and why it's in ruins, and you know why you know the significance of that place was. It was it was super cool to have that sort of background knowledge, having read that book. Even so, I was still. You saw the episode, obviously. Why did you? Did I miss something? Was it clear why to you why they were going through or why they were rowing through there? Uh, I the minute we make this public, we will be corrected. I'm certain. Mm-hmm. But um, I have a feeling that it's just a shortcut. Gotcha. And I don't, I don't have the map in front of me, and I don't remember the explanation from the books or something like that. But it was, um, but I, you know, I think that's kind of the, the simplest reason. It felt a little bit like like Sam and Frodo going through the swamp. Like, oh, we're gonna cut through. You know, it's like that kind of that. So I just, <laughs> I started. But then he said something about pirates, and I'm like, are they? Is he taking him to a pirate? Are they? Is there a pirate waiting for them there? Like, and then that never happened. So it was, and it was altogether confusing but it brings to mind and 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 we this can be this could probably be a you know several episodes i'm sure but as a book reader 
Are there things that you're seeing now? Because they have a, everyone has acknowledged that the show is veering in its own direction. It's staying loyal-ish to the, the overall idea of the story, but it's doing its own thing. How, are you starting to notice a lot of stuff that you're, you're happy with or angry with or, or like better than the books? What's your take on that so far? There, in the past couple seasons, there's, there's definitely a lot of stuff that I'm happier about on the show than in the books because there's a lot of Theon story um, you know as he becomes a reek and, and the events that <laughs> come after that uh, that is first of all it's completely confusing in the books um, for a long time uh, because the books each chapter is not first person point of view but each chapter has a character's name as the name of that chapter, That's and it's right. so it's sort of that person's story at that moment. Mm-hmm. So there are several Reek chapters before you even realize uh, that Reek is Theon. Maybe, I mean, maybe it happens in the first chapter. I don't remember exactly, but it just took a long time. Oh, so you uh, see, so you get to see. You're seeing Reek chapters, and you're like, "Who is this?" Because uh, Reek used to be Ramsay Bolton. Wait, really? Uh, or Ramsay Snow? Yeah, because. Uh, when Theon ruled Winterfell, <laughs> again, like I will be corrected on this mm-hmm. in, at light speed. Oh, of course. But um, yeah, in the books, uh, Ramsay has already sort of infiltrated Theon's, you know, rulership of Winterfell, oh. and Theon calls him Reek. And so when the tables are turned, uh, you know, Ramsay turns Theon into Reek. So it's you know, it's like you're. It was just very confusing. That, wow. Because, um, you know, so I'm happy when that stuff gets accelerated. So happy that Bran's story got accelerated. Yeah, because yeah. that just took forever for him to get to that tree. Um, they still haven't really explained it, which, you know, I, I recognize that's coming and not in this season. But, um, you know, I, I like it when they accelerate that stuff without uh, diverging. It's going to so be, then there's, it's gonna there's, be crazy when, when we do finally meet up with Bran again. Like, as fast as that kid is aging, that actor, he's, we're going to see him again. He's going to be like, well, hello. I have been here on this tree this whole time, and now I am fully a man, ready to do battle. Like, you're going to see him again and not and recognize his voice him. Will be even deeper. Yeah, yeah. Because he <laughs> shot up. I mean, even from like season two to three, he shot up. And like, oh, yeah. last season, it's kind of like, we're going to see him again and be like, who's that now? Oh, Jesus Christ. And then he won't walk, obviously. So he'll be like, oh. Yeah. This crippled man is now in the tree, and you know. <laughs> um, yeah. So I always appreciate when they accelerate stuff without changing details. It's the changing of the details. Mm. You know, I, I have a friend who, uh, my friend Brian. Um, if, if you ever read the comments on my Game of Thrones posts on my blog, he gets so irate, or at least he used to. Uh, around the Red Wedding, it really hit ahead. He was so angry that book readers knew stuff was coming before he knew. Oh, so he's a show watcher, pure, pure, yeah, pure and simple. Okay. Pure, purely. Gotcha. So, um, and he, you know, he, he, I think basically shares your attitude. I don't want to speak for him, but I think he's basically like, why do I need to read the books now? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I like the show. It's, you know, highest production value show on television. Um, you know, I'd rather watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that's your view either, but you know, he's, he's feels like he's invested in the show. So why read the books? I get it. Um, uh, and I don't know where I was going with that exactly. <laughs> but, well, the de- you're talking about um, details because, like, I think, and I've heard this. Yes. I've heard the same thing. Like, a lot of people are like, "Oh God!" Like, the we don't need to hear about the Greyjoys at this juncture. That might not be. And- it, it's not even that to me. It's like the little stuff. It's like uh, um, taking Gendry's, having Melisandre take Gendry's 
uh, blood instead of Robert's bastard who already lived with Stannis uh, at Drag. Weird. It's I would the way I described it to Brian was it's like watching Greedo shoot first in every <laughs> episode. I was like that you know, for three seasons. Yeah. You you would and I actually it wasn't even three seasons because the way the show started off was like word for word from the book. I mean that opening scene mm-hmm. when they walk out behind the wall is chapter one of Game of Thrones, wow. you know? And it's so perfect. Yeah. And so you, you I mean you you were if you had read the books, you were instantly like committed to the show. I'm sure that, that was intentional. I'm sure that was they're like, Okay, everybody, oh, yeah. now oh, yeah. this is we're we we give a shit. We care. Watch what we're doing. See? Right. You know? And then and then subtly, you know, Greedo kept shooting every week. <laughs> and it was like this is making me so furious and I can't explain to people you know, and so yeah. there's uh, there's the comments on my blog have gotten really funny and heated at times between me and Brian. I mean, but don't you, <laughs> but don't you feel like in this format, a lot of the, it, it's almost like you can have your cake and eat it too, because if you want all that detail, the books are still there for you. But if you want a streamlined version of the story that up till this point is still basically the same story, you can, you can have this too. Or is it so jarring to you that you're like, ah, it's not the same well, story it's, It wasn't jarring. It's just, it's just those little things that kind of take you out of the moment. And, you know, I think even, uh, George Martin had described it as uh, it's the butterfly effect. You know, they change a little thing in season uh, one, sure. and and then and I can't believe that we've had to use butterfly effect twice <laughs> over an hour. But the producers um, are like, "Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, here's a here's a free copy of Butterfly <laughs> Sorry, Effect." Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> um, and it, uh, yeah, but it'll affect something down the road, you know, and and it's just so that's that's what's very strange to me mm. and and frustrating as a reader. I love it when they accelerate the story though because literally so little happens in book four and five that's what i heard longest books ever you know um so it's i i'm kind of like i i would even be happy if they wrapped it up like next season or something they're saying they're talking that seven is the last one so there's two more after this one which i feel like and hbo obviously has been trying to get them to to extend that but they're like no seven kingdoms seven episodes supposedly seven books we'll see what happens you know there if because wait he has to book six is is the one that's to arrive correct that's where oh yeah because he's done it we're up to five on the book side so we're lacking six and seven. Six yes. and seven. Although I keep reading things now where George R. R. Martin's like, oh, I want to split seven into like three books because there's so much to tell. I'm like, dude, you're going to be... It, it, there really isn't that much left, George. 20, <laughs> 20 years is going to go by. That's the that's the case. And I don't, you know, you get scolded a lot for you know, for being you know, online if you're like, oh, he should finish. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are like, you're, you're worse than Kathy Bates in misery. You let him do his job. And as somebody who's been trying to write a book, I completely get it. Like I, I understand, but then it makes you kind of frustrated when you're like, he's, he does all these other things. Like he does like the world of ice and fire, which must've taken at least two years to put together. Cause that thing is in that thing's intense, you know, or his yeah. other, you know, other stuff. So I'm just like, so I get it, but I'm like, I feel like now it's going to be really interesting when the show, you know, the sh- we may live in a world where the show ends before book six even comes out. Like season seven might come and go and book six is still to be released. So then what does he do with the books? Does he arrive at the same conclusion? Cause he told Benioff and Weiss, the guys who run the show, who write most of the episodes, he told them the ending, you know, he sat down with them and they, right. they plotted the whole thing out, you know, cause they knew they're like, man, we're getting close. Like we need to make sure we're on the same page. So he told them exactly what his outline was. So they it, they hopefully will arrive at the same conclusion, but 
you know, will, will you as a book reader, if let's say the show does end, will you go back and read the final two books or however many books come out? Like, is that, would that still be interesting yeah. to you? Okay. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I, I, the, the asterisk there for me is, uh, Every every time a new season starts, and I say something like that, because I, I keep two comment threads every week on my blog. One is just for viewers, and one is just for readers. Gotcha. And uh, so every new season, my friend Meg, I will make a comment about the next book. And my friend Meg will say, who's also a reader, will say, "It's so cute that you think he's actually going to finish the next book." Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I think she's just given up hope on that. Yeah. Like she's seen a world. She has the world of ice and fire, and and I think she thinks that's it. We're done. You know. Maybe. Um, we'll see. I, I yeah, I'll definitely read them. Um, I won't be any less interested in them. Uh, it would be great if they got here quicker. Um, you know, if it takes him 20 years to do the next one, that may, maybe I'll lose some interest. <laughs> I'm wondering, though, like, part of me wonders if, because he's so, he trusts these guys so much, and he's made a lot yeah. of a lot of public, you know, comments of, oh, I love what they're doing, and, you know, they're doing things with characters that I wouldn't have thought to do, like with um, uh, uh, Marjorie, um, Terrell, yeah. you know, and it's like, and like... Yeah, she's so minor in the book. That's what know? I heard. I mean, she, you know, she's a, she's a plot device. Yeah, yeah, and so he's like, oh, I love that. So, I, yeah, I wonder if... If they end up beating him, does he just go, well, that's, you know, they, they ended how I wanted to end it, and that's, that is the story now. Like, I think that's kind of the fear of readers, you know, mm-hmm. that we've invested so much imagination and time into this, and to have him follow the show rather than the other way around is, I, you know, when we were talking about this, this podcast, I'd made a note of, you know, let's talk about my theory of why I care so much more when Game of Thrones diverges from the books. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly it is because he's not done, mm, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not like seeing Lord of the Rings where the book was done. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I like I was just I, I'm a huge fan of remixes and I saw the Lord of the Rings movie is that's Peter Jackson's spin on you know, he's remixing Tolkien. Yeah. And that's cool. Yeah. But Well yeah, it was cool it's, it's, it was cool <laughs> until the last the last three, but that's a whole other podcast for now. Yeah, sure. <laughs> It was cool in two thousand three. Now it's kind of another like, oh, podcast man. for sure. The uh, but I think with Game of Thrones, this concurrent development is what has just got readers like you know on edge. Is because uh, I, I don't know. I think there's there's a lot of different factors in that. But one of them is it, are the showrunners going to influence Martin? Yeah. Rather than the other way around. What's well, the first uh, time this has ever happened? I don't think we've ever had a time before where two concurrent, highly popular versions of the same story were being developed. Almost, I don't want to say racing each other, but almost, yeah, that is kind of what it is. Like, and I think when they started the series, I think they're like, oh, he'll be done well before we're at, at five. You know, like, I think they probably thought six would come out like two years ago and seven would come out like now, right? And it's just like, yeah, they, they didn't count on his hectic uh, Comic Con tour schedule. <laughs> I honestly, and, and, and again, I, you know, I have been writing, quote unquote, writing a book now for like five or six years myself, and it could have been done a long time ago. And that's just me, you know, making, you know, trying to take a lot of time with it, and then also being busy with my day job and all that stuff. I can kind of see, and it, it probably doesn't help him when everyone's like, "Finish it, finish the book now." And so, yeah. you know, he's like, he's got his schedule, and I, I think when he does things like, you know, hosts, you know, film festivals and stuff, and at his theater, and goes on these tours, and the, I honestly think that's kind of him going, "I can't deal with this stress right now. I got to do other shit. Otherwise, I'm going to be like, <laughs> I can't sit down." Well, I'm not. I, I'm not one of those people that that uh, really believes that. Like, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't really 
care that he's doing those Comic Con appearances and stuff. And I got to see him at, in San Diego last year, and um, not for the Game of Thrones panel, but he did another panel. And you know, it's just like that is such a, uh, a generous use of his time, oh, really, yeah, absolutely, to go meet fans, talk to people who are also writing stuff. Um, just share his thoughts on, you know, a lot of that panel was, and I can't even remember the name of it, but it was um, about, a lot of it dealt dealt with his early career in writing some things. um, So some of his short stories were being turned into um, comic books and, uh, you know, it was just like a, what a cool experience to see that guy. I don't want him to be in his, you know, cave in the desert, like (laughs) writing these books if I don't get to see him. So um, yeah, that was, that was very cool. His cave. That, he started later too, didn't he? Like he wasn't. I mean, he started like in his late twenties, early thirties. He wasn't like, uh, you know, I, he didn't come out of the of the womb writing like a lot of these guys do. No, I believe he came out of the womb. Oh, really? I, oh, okay. Um, yeah, he uh, must be thinking about. Something he else. had a whole career in television. He had a whole career in like sci-fi and fantasy. Then he had a whole career in television through the eighties. Then he started Game of then Thrones started, in the nineties. Okay, you know, okay. so I think it's it's you know, and for us who didn't know him then. Uh, we, you know, we came to it like, you know, he was an old dude already yeah, when he was writing yeah. uh, uh, Game of Thrones, but that's because we missed his entire career from the 70s, you know. Um, what's really weird is I, I have learned in the past few years, of course, as they've republished everything he's written, that he curated and edited or contributed to this series called Wild Cards that I read in the 80s, mm. um, which was like... Uh, you know, uh, novelizations. They were short stories about superheroes, but they didn't belong to, you know, DC or Marvel universes. They were just sort of sci-fi anthologies series. And gotcha. um, so it's very weird that I read him when I was a kid and uh, had no idea who he was. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That he comes back, came back around again. Yeah, exactly. In your life. Well, yeah, it's like it's it's it seems like he got started late, but he's actually been around forever. He's like, and that was I who was there with you when you were young, <laughs> and it was me who was I was in that. You're gonna like think back on like things you've seen or like you know, even like commercials you saw. I was like, that was me, and it was I was there yeah, the whole life. Yeah. And then one day he'll just much like much <laughs> like uh, Kara in Battlestar Galactica, he's just gonna disappear one day, and we'll be like, what the hell? What? Where'd he go? What happened? the end of spoilers Dude, I, I like the thing at Battlestar Galactica and I was thinking of the footprints in the sand poem or whatever oh, oh that's that, right yeah that yeah, was, yeah yeah that was which Martin carried me that's right <laughs> when I was little I'll tell you what like it was uh that's for me that was the that was the TV show Elf because there was a moment in the t- this is a completely fucked up like reference there was a moment in the TV show Elf when, when that was and I watched it a lot when I was young but there was a moment, it was in 1987, and it was Christmas, and there was, and, and my mom was going into labor with my youngest sister at the time, and so her and my dad, like, they had gone up to Rapid City to the hospital, and I was, I was at home, and I was watching Elf, and it was like the Christmas episode, and if you go find it now on YouTube, it's kind of, de- you, watching it again for like 20 years later, I was like, holy God, this is kind of a deep episode, it's about like this homeless guy and his daughter, and you know, they're out in the cold and she's trying to get it. it. It was weird. But in that movie, a, there's this baby that's born and they named the baby Tiffany. And all of a sudden, two days later, my mom's like, we had a girl and we named it Tiffany. I'm like, what the f-? Like as a little six year old kid, I'm like, how did, were, oh, you, were you watching Elf? She's like, no. I'm like, oh my God. Like the movie, like, and I was just like the whole time, like what else in Elf has like influenced my life? I don't know. 
I don't I, I need to go back and rewatch the series and just be like I mean maybe there's other things maybe it's like you know friends I've met or like you know they're in Elf somewhere mom are we eating cats for dinner again? yeah seriously that was always a, that was a disturbing I had a lot of cats gramp that was always like oh man he doesn't have to be that way hey we're at about we're at about an hour now do you want to keep going you I say we I say we button this up with your with the future stuff yeah that, well and I also want to because um, that's another I, I love the idea that we disagree on this stuff well I also want to when we're done done I also want to go back and uh, we need to like re-record re an intro where we explain who we are and how we know each other and all that okay. kind of stuff because I'll probably edit and then we'll, from that point on we'll just keep them self-contained so yeah, um, to to wrap up, like we always want to wrap up each episode of these things with a look toward the future, and you know what's you know we like to talk about things that have come out, things that are coming out, and then like you know what what trailers or rumors or things that you know of movies or TV shows or books that we haven't seen yet um, that interests us, and and the two kind of the next the next two up for summer blockbusters are Tomorrowland and Ant Man, and. You know, in talking to you earlier, kind of just noting this in the show notes earlier, I was and I was like, Tomorrowland looks amazing. I'm like, Ant Man looks kind of stupid. You're like, uh, uh, flip that, strike that, reverse it, and you'll have my my thoughts. So let's let's do one at a time. Let's do a Tomorrowland first, which is yeah, I guess next week, next weekend it comes out. Um, sure. George Clooney, Damon Lindelof, love him or hate him, he wrote most, if not all, of it. I, you know, let me let me let me preface this. I love movies that have a strong female protagonist, or stories that have a strong female protagonist. I'm, I'm on that page. You know, yeah. uh, especially if she's a little younger. I, I don't know. I've had this fascination with you know young female protagonists who you, you know because we've seen enough. I think we've seen enough dudes. I want. I, I just like that dynamic. I think there's there's more you can get out of it. I also yeah. like stories where you can go to you can escape to another world. You know, whether it be the computer game Mist. Or you know, uh, you know it, the no, the book Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. Like I love you know see, knowing that there's a world you know attached to or beyond our own that you can access that nobody else knows about. So this this movie combines both of those things in a major way. And the trailers so far have really made me go. Oh, I just they it looks like it's exactly my kind of my kind of thing. And even George Clooney, who I, at first I was like, oh, what's he gonna bring to it? The more I see, the more, and the more I kind of know about his character from you know spoilers and trailers and stuff, I'm like, this looks like it could be super, super interesting. Um, that's my take on it. And, and you know, you could say, oh, it's based off the ride and all that. I that's not the that's not what crosses my mind at first. In fact, I when I first saw the trailer, I had way to way to cut my legs out from under me. I had forgotten that this <laughs> was such a great rejoinder there. <laughs> I had forgotten that it even was a ride at first. You know, honestly, is that your complaint that you you think it's too it's too hokey, it's too Disney? I just I just don't know what it's about. Honestly, I. Uh, up until uh, January, have been a Disney pass holder. Ah. Um, so I've spent many hours in Tomorrowland. Um, yeah, and my my you know quip back at you was going to be, have you seen the Tower of Terror movie? Oh. <laughs> I mean, is is Clooney the Steve Gutenberg of Tomorrowland? God, that was even a thing. Oh. I mean, there's a Haunted Mansion movie with Eddie Murphy. Oh man. Um. So part of it. You know, smacks years. of just like commercializing something that's already. But hey, you, you know what uh, I'll commercial. say. You know what I'll say to that. I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean, I, for God's sake, exists. Honestly, yeah. I and I mean, yeah. I mean, you can't argue with that. I don't. I don't really. Care, I don't really care about like the the commercialization aspect of it. I just having seen the trailers, they look awesome, and I have no idea what the movie's about. And that's so. So so you're you're kind of coming from a place of we've been burned too many times by these 
No, not really. I, I'm just I'm just saying that to be funny. Yeah, but uh, it's more it's just based on like I, I, it hasn't been sold to me very well. I don't get it. Well, and know? see that that is my, the very sentiment that I have towards Ant Man, where I'm looking at it going, I don't know, man. I think which is funny because yeah, you put that as the second trailer that <laughs> you couldn't be less interested in this, and I uh, I I don't know what it is. I mean. I, it's Paul Rudd. It's Michael Douglas. Like I'm into it. <laughs> I know it's weird because I should be. Like it has like all the things. But here, here, this, this kind of. I had this argument with another friend recently too, who's who's equally. They saw. We both saw Avengers at the same time, and it was funny because we saw there was three trailers that came out in front of it. It was Tomorrowland, Ant Man, and then Mad Max, which yeah. I have not seen yet, and everybody's losing their shit over Mad Max, and apparently I need to go to Mad Max today. Um, I know. But I saw, and so it was weird because I saw Tomorrowland. I was like, oh, and then I, then he saw Ant-Man. He's like, oh, and I'm like, I'm like, man, what is it about Ant-Man? And, and on the way out of the theater, in addition to discussing just Avengers, I was like, okay, here's the deal with Ant-Man. It, it feels like it's a Marvel phase one movie that's, that is late to the, late to the starting line. It has a lot of those same trappings. Like, and in fact, a lot of it, even the marketing, like the posters and everything looks very Iron Man one to me, which you know, four years ago, five years ago, would have been it would have felt right at home and that sort of like we're creating our world and here's the characters you haven't met yet. So yeah. for, for it to come out this late in the kind of the the MCU, I'm kind of like oh, I don't know, man. And I'll I'll probably be dead wrong. You know, everybody, you know, a lot of people naysay Guardians of the Galaxy and that, you know, obviously was massive massive success. So I don't know, but it yeah. just, I have this and then well. I mean, you know, my I, I would have loved Guardians of the Galaxy even more if it were just a standalone and they weren't connecting it to the Marvel universe. That's um, a good point too. I that I mean that yeah it there was some review I think I I blogged about at the time where and which I can't remember right now which had had said basically that you know this movie is strongest when it's not trying to connect to the MCU and. Uh, I, that part is just is just weird to me about Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant Man. I'm 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 taking it exactly as you said. It's like a Phase One movie. They're introducing this character. I could not. He, this is the dumbest superpower besides <laughs> stretching. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like when you think of like nobody asks you at a party like, would you rather stretch or get really small? Like that's you know. It's a it's a funny party question can to I say choose, would you rather have invisibility or flight? Can but I choose what's nobody's... behind the secret door instead? Is there is that those the only two options? I have? Right. Can I right. make up another power that's not those things? You know what though? It's meant, it, you say that, and that's the part of the trailer. I think I I think even my my sort of sort of uh, you know uh, bias aside, the part of the trailer that drives me insane and where I'm like ugh, where I just I, I audibly groan is when they're fighting and then the Thomas the tank the tank engine tips over because they're you know they're fighting super right, small which was a huge laugh moment it, when I saw the trailer uh, before yeah that. same and same the here whole theater laughed same at that. here and I'm like and I kind of like uh, snorted you know like oh maybe yeah that really that really puts the scale of you know like what we're dealing with here like are we, is this are they in peril I mean <laughs> are we supposed to be worried when that's the worst thing that happens is that the model train falls, <laughs> falls over. over well maybe and maybe that's the point maybe they're like man we've shown you like you know universal stakes we've shown you an entire city yeah. floating above the earth to be slammed back down like we kind of need to go the opposite direction wait that is a really great point that I, I had not 
put it in that context. But that and that now you've made it even more appealing. <laughs> oh no, damn it! Because because <laughs> I can't stand how every superhero movie has the, like the same gigantic stakes, like the fate of the world. Yeah. You know, that's my I mean, biggest just, complaint just about fight Doctor a villain. Who. You know, just just put this villain out of business right now. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm pretty. I, my excitement about it is completely based on the cast. Okay. I think. You know, um, it's a stellar cast. I'm not gonna lie. And the dude from um, the dude from House of Cards is the bad guy. Is Yellow Jacket? Uh, I, I, I apologize. I don't know the actor's name or the character's name, but that dude from House of Cards, who that's okay. You can scold me for not watching House of Cards the next time we do this. Well, he's a he's he's a major character the first season who does not who does not appear in the second season for reasons I, oh, okay. I won't spoil. But he um he uh yeah he's in it. So I'm like that was exci- That was kind of cool. But I don't I don't I'll. I'm gonna go very trepid. It's the first Marvel movie where I'm like, ah, maybe else. Every other one, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna see it opening day. Oh, I'm gonna see it opening weekend. You know, and even if they were like not as good, I'm always like, oh, I'll see it. This is the first one I'm kind of like, I don't know, man. And maybe I'm just personally kind of burnt out on it. Maybe I'm kind of like, I want to see something. I don't know. Maybe that, and that's probably why Tomorrowland appeals to me because it just feels like it's a different flavor for the summer than we're sort of. You know, then then we're used to seeing, and maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I might come back to you after next well, week and be like, "It was dog shit." Oh, you're dog. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anybody that's you know on the edge of their seat about Ant Man. So, uh, no, nobody I knew is excited about this movie. It's probably I mean, not, still not make that they're not excited. It's just, no, you know, it, nobody's beating you know <laughs> a line to the to the opening day yeah, you know yeah. well we'll um, see so we'll see yeah i mean you know i'd put that in the, in our notes like let's bring up jurassic world because i am so excited about that you are interesting i'm just i don't know what it is i mean if it's chris pratt if it's giant dinosaurs um uh it just it looks so cool. Well, Chris Pratt riding a motorcycle with a bunch of velociraptors is that was that was one of those moments where yeah. you're like, what the what is this? Like that's he's the raptor whisperer, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well they I mean just when they I'm a sucker for every time they play that that Jurassic Park theme song, that dun 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 Yeah. You know, every time that you could play that against anything. You could play that against somebody getting beat to death. I'd be like, Oh man, yeah. Like it's just that music just captain that's that that's one of those quintessential John Williams scores. It just sucks me right in. So they did that, and I like the fact I'm I'm intrigued by the fact that they're like, This is what happened, like John uh, what's his face? Um John Hammond, the 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 character from the first movie, the the inventor, of Dr- yes. like John Hammond's vision was realized. This the park was created. Here it is. So it's kind of yeah. like I'm intrigued by that. Like like that happened instead of a movie where it's like we discovered another park that went to shit. You know, it's like it seems like all the sequels right. were like, well, you know, John Hammond's dark vision was you know caused this terrible thing to happen. In this one, it's like, oh no, his vision's real. And the fact that from the from the look of it, it's like. People are, you know, dinosaurs were, you know, we created Jurassic Park. Dinosaurs are here, and the world's kind of like, eh, well. So it's like, what do we, what do we do to keep making it bigger and more interesting? And and you know, that's probably where the the peril is going to lie. But it's just interesting to know that like that's that's kind of what we're that's the conceit, right? So. Yeah, which is such a cool thing because I mean, you know, it's twenty years later. Yeah. Yeah. P- people in that world are, you know, dinosaurs exist. Yeah, well, it's a cool. Let's genetically engineer some bigger ones. It's kind of a cool meta commentary on just the audience in general. Like when the first one yeah. came out, it was like, 
this it was so revolutionary and so like you'd never seen this before. Now when it's like, hey, a Jurassic Park movie, even like the movie going audience is like, eh, I guess, you know. So it's like they kind of have to. It's kind of that same kind of comment, like, what do we have to show you for you guys to come out to see this? We'll put Chris Pratt in it. Oh, that's well, yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. We'll put even bigger dinosaurs in it. You know, the like crazier dinosaur, him with Velociraptor. You know, so it's kind of like, yeah, it'll. I'll go just for that, and you know, it's probably. That dude, you know, anything that dude's in now, it's kind of like that's almost like a you know you're in good hands when Pratt signs up for, for something. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, let's call it. Game of Thrones is going to come on soon, so we got to we got to wrap this up. That's um, true. Let's uh, let's sign off for now. If you're listening still, we hope I'm glad you made it through. Uh, well, this is episode zero, like we said before. So we'll keep we'll keep uh, keep improving and keep changing things and adding things. And there's. God, our show notes were like, I think we maybe covered a fourth of what's on our show notes, so there's way more to talk about. Yeah, that's so good. Um, you, always, you always want a backlog. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, we'll sign off, and uh, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll do this again soon, next week, or whenever we, we can get around to it. Sure. Do you, do you have anything to plug? I don't yet. I will, I will next okay. time. That was, that was the thing. What? I was like, oh, man, I wish I, if this was a week from now, I'd have all kinds of cool things to plug. What do you, you've always got <laughs> something, something in the works. Yeah, I I was just gonna say, you know, I'm at at hey Todd A on Twitter and heytodda.com, and that's all I'm plugging. Go to my website, join the Game of Thrones discussion, you know. Lots of good writing on there too. Follow me on Twitter. For anybody who doesn't know Todd, the dude, this dude can write. He's got a lot of cool, interesting <laughs> stuff. In fact, that's like <laughs> thank you. That's a whole other. That's a whole other. We'll 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 showcase more later. But yeah, go go check out his stuff. He's written a book. He's written like you know one of the. Yeah, massively viral uh, blog post about just you know working and what you know what a work situation should be like. It's, it's amazing. So go go check that out for sure. Well, I'm gonna sign off. This is uh, Taylor Trask saying bye bye. And I'm Todd A. And we'll talk to you guys later. <laughs>